Well, this morning, first of the new year, here we are. It is 2024. And uh, over the course of this year, we're going to read through some of the books of the Bible uh, together uh, because one of the things that we often forget is that all the letters that Paul wrote, all the Gospels, everything, was actually meant to be heard in community, not read silently as a book. Um, People didn't have like pocket Bibles or copies of Scripture until like the 1500s when the printing press was invented. Everything before then had to be written out by hand and it was expensive and it took time and and often it was like chained to a library desk. You can actually go to some libraries in England still where there's a section where, yeah, you can read the books. You can't take them out of the library though and they got a chain attached to them because these were expensive. They were hard to produce. They took a lot of time. Especially in the New Testament, they didn't even have the New Testament yet. (laughs) We sometimes forget that, right? We forget that they didn't have like all of the books of the Old Testament all in one convenient volume. A lot of it was in scrolls. A lot of it was in memory. Uh, A lot of it was, you know, maybe they had the five books of Moses at the local synagogue. But other than that, people didn't have access to Scripture like we do today. And we take it for granted. Most people just had to hear the word of God spoken and preached rather than anything else. And so today we're going to be looking at the book of Galatians. This is Paul's letter to the Galatians. And it was addressed to a group of churches in a region. It's actually the only book that's addressed to a region and not a city or specific people. Galatia wasn't a city. Galatia was a region in southern Turkey. Included Lystra, Derby, uh, Pisidian Antioch. I think I'm forgetting one city in there, but it's, it's, it's a region. It's kind of like, like the boundary. <laughs> okay, so there's like, there's like, it's written to the churches in Midway and Greenwood and Grand Forks and Christina Lake and Big White and, you know, this whole region of churches. And Paul planted these churches at, at one point in time, probably in his first missionary journey. He wrote to counter those who taught the Christians, you know, it's good that you came to Jesus, but you should be circumcised in order to really be acceptable to God. To be a really good Christian, you also had to become Jewish. And Paul began this letter with first a defense of his apostolic authority, his own story. Then he makes it very clear that all believers, Jew and Gentile, are alike. Complete salvation is in Christ, chapters three to four. And then in chapters five to six, Paul shows how the gospel of grace leads to true freedom and godly living. And the central message of Galatians is probably this. A person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So as I read this, listen to the words, uh, listen for key words, the, the law and the spirit, or the flesh in the spirit. Paul kind of uses flesh and the law interchangeably. And then the spirit on the other hand, or the spirit or faith. So we have, he'll, he'll argue against the law and the flesh on one hand and the spirit and faith on the other. And listen for the words about slavery and freedom. Being a slave or being free, being an heir, being a child of God, like we sang a lot this morning. And the role that grace has. And so as we come to the word this morning, Lord Jesus, thank you for 
the Apostle Paul and his passion that people would understand that the gospel is not about performance in and of ourselves, but it is about the person and the work of Jesus Christ for us. Lord, that there is nothing we can add to the gospel that Jesus has not already accomplished. That there is uh, no outward things that we really need to do to be acceptable in your sight, except to plead on the blood of Jesus Christ to cover all our sins and to lead us in the way everlasting. And so, Lord, as we hear your word this morning, help us to hear it as, as those first churches heard it read to them. May we be encouraged, may we be challenged, may we be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to turn to Galatians, that's fine. You can follow along. But again, remember, this was meant to be heard, not read. It was, it was meant to resound in the congregation. And so somebody would have brought the letter to the Galatian church and somebody would stand up and read it. And just read it as a letter. It's interesting as I read through it, it takes about 18 minutes. Um, some of our chapter divisions, again, they're like, they just interrupt the flow of things. And so I'm just going to read it straight through. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who were with me, to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ, and you're turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, and now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you've heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. 
Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. Then, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had run, had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. To them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seemed to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised, worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles, but when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party, and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with them, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your very eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you 
and work miracles among you, do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it's been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, who is Christ? This is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterward does not annul the covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Well, why then the law? It was added because of transgressions. Until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made, and it was put into place through angels by an intermediary. Now, an intermediary applies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if the law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law, but the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way also, when we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world, but when the fullness of time had come, 
God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also would become as you are. You, you did me no wrong. You, you know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you didn't scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What's become of your blessedness? For I testified to you that, if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you make much of them. Now, it's always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you. Oh, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you and now change my tone, for I'm perplexed about you. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem from above is free. She is our mother, for it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you have accepted circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision, he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace." 
For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called the freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk in the Spirit. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warned you as I warned you before. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor. For each one, each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith. See which large letters I am writing to you with my own hand? It is those who want to make a good show in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that you may boast in your flesh. 
But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Amen. One of the first things that kind of caught my funny bone as I read through Galatians was the beginning of chapter 6, where Paul says, if anyone's caught in a sin, restore him gently. I'm like, what did you just do in the rest of the book? You idiots, Galatians, what are you doing? Hey, I guess that's gentle. I just, I just found it entertaining that that's kind of, you know, Paul would include that in one of the harshest letters that he wrote. He's like, okay, guys, if somebody's caught in a sin, just be real gentle with them. It's like Galatians is the least gentle letter that he wrote. But anyway, uh, on the back counter of the info desk, if you're in a triad or a community group, or you just want to get into Galatians a little better, we got uh, 19 copies, because this is number 20, this is mine. Um, we ordered 19 of these. If you're in a community group or triad and you guys are looking for the next thing to do, this would be a great resource. It's a seven-week study through the book of Galatians with some commentary and stuff at the back. Um, or if you just, you, know, you just wanna dig into it a little more. Over this next quarter, I'd encourage you to do that. Or if you're not in a community group and not in a triad, grab a couple friends, grab a discussion guide, and go for coffee, get together, read some of the passages, talk about what it means and how to live it out. Uh, so really quite simple. Go to the scripture, study it a bit, talk about it, share it together, and pray for one another. Uh, but that's available to you. Now, as we come to this, I want to just ask the question, what does the letter of Galatians have for us going into 2024? Why start with Galatians this year? Well, Romans is too long to read in one sitting. <laughs> Galatians is. But no, really, there's, there's I think, three key things that, can, that, that we can take away from the overall picture of Galatians. And it's, it's nice that it kind of breaks down into the, the, the chapters. Galatians 1 and 2 really deals with the question of legitimate authority. I think we've got a slide there. Yeah, the question of legitimate authority. To whom will I listen for direction and counsel in my life. Biblical authority and apostolic authority defines our belief and practice as the people of God, as a church. And in a noisy world of information overload and a culture of suspicion toward any kind of authority, we seek to bring our lives and our thinking under the authority of the word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16, for all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness that the people of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so the first thing that we need to recognize, and this Paul argues in the first two chapters, is the question of authority and who are you going to listen to? And we're going to be tackling this as we get into the series that starts next week, on what does it mean to be a human being? 
What does it mean to be made in the image of God? What is human identity? We bring ourselves to biblical authority to answer those questions. Because there's a lot of voices in our culture trying to define reality and identity for us, but we need to come back to the Bible and to the authority of Scripture. So that's the first thing. In Galatians 3 to 4, it's the question of the diversity of community. Who do I welcome? The gospel creates a community that includes everybody. The problem in Galatia, a community was building walls to protect themselves, to shut people out, ultimately to seek power over others and maintain an outward tradition of exclusivism, which runs counter to Jesus' life and mission and the foundational call of Abraham that Paul referred to over and over in this letter. The gospel creates a community. The gospel creates community of radical hospitality. Old divisions of race, ethnicity, economics, gender are all removed, and the Galatian Gentiles needed to hear it again, that they are loved and accepted, adopted into God's family as full heirs and members of his family because of Jesus, not Moses. So the question of uh, the diverse community, who do we welcome? Because the gospel creates a community that includes everyone. And that's a challenge for us because a lot of times we want to build walls, we want to, we want to make sure that the right people are, are, are only here and that other people are out and we want to draw dividing lines. And this is so, as we're heading into, you know, another election cycle both south of the border and in a few years up here, it is always and it is increasingly, increasingly divisive. And what we want to do is we want to protect ourselves and build walls And the gospel says we get rid of that. We'll come against that when we hit Ephesians. Again, we're going to read through these once a quarter. The dividing wall of hostility is destroyed. So biblical authority, the question of legitimate authority, the question of diverse community, and then finally in Galatians 5 to 6, Paul tackles the question of transformed identity. Who am I? because the gospel changes everything about who we are. Freedom is found in Christ alone, but it must be practiced and lived to flourish and grow. It's far easier, far safer, far more comfortable to live in a rule-driven, well-defined, fixed view that never changes, rather than to live in the freedom that Christ offers, at least at the beginning. But it totally stunts our maturity as followers of Jesus who are called to live in freedom and to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And so these are the three things that I think as we go into 2024, we need to come back to as as central and defining of who we are as a people of God. The question of legitimate authority, to whom will we listen? The question of diverse community, who will we welcome? And the question of transformed identity, Who am I? And over the next eight to 12 weeks, we'll be digging into this question. Actually, the whole series title is Who Am I? As we look at the identity as ourselves, as human beings, and who we are as created in God's image for his glory and for his purposes. 
So I recommend to you the book of Galatians over this next quarter to get into it, to study it, to think through it, to reread it over and over, and to hear what God has for his church through the voice and the authority of Paul. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today, and as we start this new year, we start with the scripture as central. We start with Paul's call to the Galatian church that they would bring their lives under the authority of what we now have as scripture, but what Paul was as an apostle. And the both really aren't any different for us now. And so, Lord, where we have questions and where we have struggles and where, we're, where we find confusion, help us to come back to your word and find in it the, the authority that we need for the things we're facing in our day. Lord, as we um, move ahead as a community and we want to grow deeper as a community, help us to be a community of the gospel that welcomes all. And Lord, help us to be transformed from people who are used to acting and reacting out of the flesh and out of our sinful nature, but we need to be trained in the fruit of the Spirit. And so, Lord, help us to undergo the training and the transformation that you desire for each one of us by belonging to the community you have created through Jesus Christ and coming under the, the authority of your teaching through Scripture. Thank you that the Holy Spirit empowers us to live. Thank you for the new creation in Christ. Thank you that we are no longer slaves, but we are sons and daughters of the King, heirs according to the promise of God to Abraham. Fill us with your Spirit that we may grow and live and flourish that we may lead people to the freedom of Jesus Christ in 2024. May we see your hand move as you transform our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.